Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is a glorious sunny day where I am and I hope it is where you are as well. On this Sunday, the 20th of March, 2022, the very first day of the new Labor government in South Australia. That's right, folks. The South Australian people have spoken and they have turfed out the Marshall Liberal government after only one term in office. To be fair, it was a government riddled with scandal, defections, people moving to the crossbench. Even the Attorney General had to be stood aside. And it was quite a weird sight to watch her on the panel of the ABC broadcast last night talking about how great the Marshall government was as the numbers quite quickly racked up to indicate that they would not be returned to government. Almost every time she spoke, she had to mention somebody's scandal, somebody facing charges, somebody having to sit on the cross bench. It was quite a remarkable insight into the state of the Liberal Party in South Australia. Of course, Peter Malinowskis, the Liberal leader, the now Premier of South Australia, the 47th Premier of South Australia, led Labor to a resounding victory. The way the South Australian electorates are set up meant that Labor would need to get a substantial, substantial swing, well over 5% to it, in order to get the four seats it needed to form government in its own right. At the moment, the ABC has Labor winning 25 seats. 24 is a majority. It has 25, according to the ABC, and the ABC is projecting out that it might win as many as 28. This is a huge credit to the way the campaign was run, the way the campaign was targeted, the focus of Labor on Labor issues, health, ambulance response times, on taking public transport back into public hands, on ensuring adequate services for schools, hospitals, and mental health. And at the same time, pointing not so much to the dysfunction of the Liberal Party, but the impact that dysfunction has on ordinary people. For example, pointing out the pet projects that had been delivered, the failure to deliver core services like ambulance response times, and tying that back to a dysfunctional, disinterested, disengaged government. Huge amount of credit, huge amount of credit to the South Australian Labor Party for its campaign and for bringing the party back into government. People outside of South Australia may not know this. Labor was in power for 16 years before it lost to the Marshall Liberals. They've only served four and now they're out of power. They spent almost half the time in a minority government. The Marshall Liberals lost so many of their own MPs to the crossbench. Interestingly, the seats that have fallen, Adelaide, Devonport, Elder, King, Newland, is a mix of more more suburban and urban seats and also seats that you might more traditionally call regional. Also, the seat of Stewart, where an independent who served in the Wetherill government in 2014 
has knocked off the deputy leader of the Liberal Party and the now former deputy premier. Stephen Marshall himself is only ahead by 100 votes in his own seat. And there's, if you look at my Twitter feed, I posted a photo of Marshall and John Howard together just days ago, uh, commenting that in Howard's view, if you were going to lose government, you might as well lose your own seat. I didn't realize that that would be quite so true as it looks like it may well be. It is a remarkable outcome. And it was obviously discussed on Insiders this morning when Simon Birmingham, the Liberal Senator for South Australia who serves in the Morrison Commonwealth Government as Finance Minister, was asked about what went wrong. How is it that a first-term government, a government that had faced the pandemic, handled it not terribly, not perfectly, but not terribly for the most part, uh, until certainly the later uh, elements of it, that had put some economic runs on the board, although unemployment now in South Australia is among the worst in the nation. How is it that that government was unable to beat a relatively inexperienced Labor leader, Peter Malinowskis, is only 41 years old, uh, incredibly charismatic though, and as I said in my video that I put out on Friday night, actually a genuinely good guy who wants to achieve things for working people. How is it that that Marshall government was unable to defeat Peter Malinowskis and Labor? How is it they were unable to run a campaign to hold on to the seats they had and pick up some? Well, Simon Birmingham, Minister of the Morrison government, did what you might expect a minister of the Morrison government to do, and that is blame the people. Instead of saying, these are the issues the Liberal Party has, the dysfunction, the failure to deliver on core issues for people, he instead said that people had been tricked. It was his view that the people of South Australia had been tricked that huge numbers of them, obviously, had been tricked in some way. Now, this is a ridiculous notion. And of course, Labor ran a strategic, targeted campaign. It won seats that it has not won for many, many, many years. As it was mentioned on the ABC broadcast last night, Labor won seats from the Liberal Party for the first time in more than eight years. That is a huge outcome. So Simon Birmingham, to suggest that somehow or another the people of South Australia got it wrong and there are no lessons for the Liberal Party or the Morrison government from yesterday's results, is either an attempt to hide the fact that he knows what we all know, and that is that the Morrison government is in trouble, or he is living in a deluded fantasy world, a deluded fantasy world. Insiders was also interesting in that there was a discussion by Greg Sheridan on Australia's defence capability. And in the light of Putin's invasion of Ukraine and Putin's war against the people of Ukraine, Australia's defence capability has come under the spotlight. And Greg Sheridan is a conservative. There's no question about that. He writes for the Australian. He has said himself he is no natural enemy of the Morrison government. 
But his comment on insiders today that we would not be able to defend ourselves against an invasion of penguins was remarkably insightful. The Morrison-Dutton government has failed to deliver defence capability. And it comes back to one of the points Spears raised with Simon Birmingham around the arbitrary percentage of tax to GDP cap. Of course, Morrison and Dutton have an arbitrary defence spending figure as well. It's all well and good to spend the money, but you've got to spend it on things that work and are valuable and deliver real outcomes. And Dutton and Morrison don't. And that's one of the lessons out of South Australia. Marshall was going to spend nearly $700 million on a basketball stadium. That, When people are literally dying waiting for ambulances, that is the wrong priority. Morrison and Dutton continually demonstrate the wrong priorities. I'll give you another example. Right now in northern New South Wales, there are people who are having to move back into flood-damaged and effectively condemned homes in Lismore and right across the northern parts of New South Wales because the Morrison government priority was not to ensure that everybody who was impacted had somewhere safe to live and was able to get their life together. It was instead trying to pork barrel on the back of a natural disaster. The situation became so bad that even though the Perrottet government was apologising and trying to do more and all the rest of it, you had members of the coalition literally quitting parliament in New South Wales, quitting parliament in New South Wales, and others condemning Morrison and saying that they would find it very difficult to vote for him because of the way his government was pork-barrelling disaster relief into coalition seats while ignoring the suffering of fellow Australians in other seats. This is absolutely endemic, endemic forms of political corruption. And I'm not saying it's corruption that they personally derive a benefit from. It's corruption in the service of their party ahead of the service to the nation. And that's one of the lessons from the South Australian election that Simon Birmingham and the Morrison crew need to take as well. That people will not accept, will not accept MPs and parties putting themselves, their immediate political interest ahead of the national interest. And of course, as we are now in a crisis of cost of living, we see the Morrison government effectively trying to buy votes for the next election. You know, Sally McManus tweeted about this, and it's a good reminder Morrison will do nothing to increase wages, to do nothing about lifting the overall standard of living for Australian working people, whether they're in a job, looking for a job, have retired from a job, whatever the case may be. 
Morrison will do nothing to address the systemic power imbalances that result in declining wages and increased costs of living. He's not interested in that. He's not prepared to do that. If you want those things addressed, the first thing you need to do is join your union. Go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, join your union, and I'll talk a little bit about what's happening with the teachers in a moment. But I want to focus just for a minute on Morrison's so-called solution to the cost of living crisis. By all accounts, it was on Insiders, it's in all the papers, they're going to give a one-off cash bonus, bribe, uh, relief, whatever you want to call it, to people. The size of which is unknown, the, the cohorts that will get it is unknown. Regardless, it will undoubtedly be targeted in a way to try and maximise electoral advantage rather than any kind of systemic ongoing relief for the Australian people. And doesn't it speak to the inherent contradictions of the neoliberal ideology of Scott Morrison? More than happy to waste what will be billions of dollars of taxpayer funds in a desperate attempt to hold on to government. Greg Sheridan admitted that if he was Scott Morrison, he would just be spending every dollar he could to try and win votes. On one hand, that's what they're actually doing. On the other hand, they have the gall, the gall to refuse to invest more in our hospitals, the gall to try and cut funding from the NDIS, the gall to refuse to support increased wages for aged care workers, the gall to strip away free childcare that we know works. We know it brings down the cost of living. We know that it delivers better outcomes. This is a government that wants literally to buy your vote rather than build our country. And I have to say, they're not going to do anything about the systemic problems. They're not going to do anything about lifting gig workers out of digital sham contracting into employment. They're not going to do anything about lifting the minimum wage. They support cuts to penalty rates. They have driven down public sector wages and wages across the board. So Morrison's one-off cash bribe uh, payment will be just another attempt to stay in power. Hopefully it doesn't work. And on insiders, they speculated that people probably won't fall for it. But of course, we know we have to keep having the conversations. Again, a lesson from the South Australian election. Having the conversations, doing the work, talking about the kind of place we want this country to be and how we can make it the place we want it to be. So important. And please do share this episode. Do talk to your friends, your family, your colleagues, your co-workers. Make sure people understand what's going on. Because I'll give you a little cameo about an industry that is in crisis and that is education in New South Wales. We've seen this year, obviously, industrial action in the public schools in New South Wales. There was reports this week 
of schools in Queanbeyan telling students to stay home for two days a week because of the shortage of teachers available to teach them. We've seen teachers are now working up to 60 hours a week in New South Wales in the public sector. We've seen that one in three teachers is thinking of leaving teaching, which would only worsen a crisis that a shortage of teachers is creating in New South Wales. We've seen also that the independent and Catholic school teachers have had enough as well. Their workloads have increased dramatically. Their wages are not keeping up. And now the independent education union is going, talking to its members about potential industrial action in the independent and Catholic school sector as well. All in all, the education system in New South Wales is under a huge amount of pressure. The Commonwealth Minister responsible for education is Stuart Robert. Now, Stuart Robert, as regular listeners to The Week on Wednesday will know, is an absolute plonker when it comes to being a government minister. And of course, he has called public school teachers duds, says that the bottom 10% of them should be sacked. It's a remarkably blind ideological view of education. Instead of investing in teachers, investing in education, Stuart Robert wants to purge teachers from our system. I don't know who he thinks will teach the children of New South Wales if a third of the teachers leave the public system. I don't know how he thinks the Commonwealth will fund the influx into independent schools, assuming that's what he thinks will happen. Of course, we know the cost of private schooling is prohibitive for most Australians, but no doubt he believes people will flock to a private market-led education system. The Morrison government is not going to help fix the situation in education. In fact, their comments and their approach actively make the situation worse. So we need a change of government. We need to have a Commonwealth that supports teaching from early childhood into primary, secondary, TAFE, apprenticeships, on-the-job skills development, university, and of course, into research and nation-building capacity beyond that. What we have instead is Stuart Robert. And I can't tell you how disappointing he is to see holding a ministry. But there's lots of good news. The people of South Australia today are being governed by a good, worker-focused Labor government. The polls show Morrison is in trouble. Even conservatives like Greg Sheridan are finally admitting that the Morrison-Dutton national security lines are so hollow that we couldn't stop a penguin invasion. Their economic management lines are so broken that they're literally forced to try and buy votes at the upcoming budget. And while the people of Lismore were initially cut out of support, the bad politics backfired so badly that now all of northern New South Wales is getting the funding and support that it needs.
Hopefully, it won't be too little too late. But by the same token, one suspects it will be too little too late to save the Morrison government. Now, don't forget to join Van and I on Wednesday for the week on Wednesday. It will be a later edition as unfortunately we both have commitments throughout the whole day, but it will come out on Wednesday night. And of course, Van's audio book, and On and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracies, is now available through Apple and Audible and all the places you can get your audio book. So do have a look at that. Do download that. And a massive thank you and congratulations to everybody who's supporting The Week on Wednesday through our buymeacoffee.com slash Wednesday page. It has allowed us to build our audience. More and more people get to hear both The Week on Wednesday and The Weekend Wrap, and we really appreciate your support. So until next Wednesday, remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.